At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to OK Talk. I'm Clinton. I'm Matt. So good to have you back. How you feeling, buddy? Feeling all right. My allergies are kicking my ass. This weather, man. This weather. It's it's awesome, but at the same time, I never had allergies growing up. And in the last year, I'm like, what, what am I feeling? Why am I sneezing? Why am I stopped up all the time? Why do I feel my throat closing in on me all the time? And I, I guess that's it. I don't know. I did report last week that it was Zika that you were suffering from. And I, this weather has actually allowed for there to be mosquitoes at this time of the year, which, oh, there should not be. And I saw that there was the first confirmed case. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... In county. Speaking of Zika, uh, I don't know if I told you we ended up... You know, Pluckers, the wing place. Mm-hmm. We ended up there a couple weeks ago. That happened to be on a trivia night. And we we were there before trivia started, but then it was like, oh, it's trivia night. Let's hang out. Let's spend the rest of the night here. And uh, one of the team names was my mom went to Brazil and all I got was a little head. Oh. Which I thought was pretty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you this right now. We're doomed. This summer. Uh, oh, like if, it's going to be miserable. If we're already getting mosquitoes, yeah. biting people, and spreading the Zika now, yeah, what is it going to be like in July? We're all getting West Nile. I mean, 
I'm pretty sure I had West Nile a couple of years ago. Like, I'm so sweet. Like, mosquitoes eat me alive. Mm-hmm. And no joke. Like, I really think there was a there was a good chance that I suffered from West Nile for like a month and I didn't realize it. Yeah. I don't know. Either that or... <laughs> but like, I'll get bit by mosquitoes and like, it affects me. Like, I'll swell if I get bit on my ankle a bunch of times or something, you know? Or they go after me. They go after my ankle. I, I've, I've noticed that. And it's and they'll get me right on the on the tendon back here for Bad. whatever reason. Bastards. And it just drives me crazy. And they, they always do it. I think that I think that science is thinking about getting rid of mosquitoes all all together. I'd be all for that. Yeah. I just think that you know, the people who own Jurassic Park are against it. <laughs> I need them. But yeah, it's been a while since we've done this. Um Yeah. You're listening to the OK Talk Experience podcast show of record. We want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Things are going very well. People have heeded our calls for reviews and ratings. Keep it up, people. Keep it up. I've seen some great response both there and on our various social media platforms. People are, are reaching out, digging the show. Why don't you run down those real quick? Uh, that would be facebook.com slash Show. Go give us a like. Share our stuff if you see it. Uh, I always try to push people to do that because uh, the more you share it, the more people see it, the more it gets promoted a- along your uh, your news feed. And twitter.com slash Show. We are very active on Twitter, tweeting out various things. So retweet that and give us a follow and send us an email oktalkpodcast at gmail.com along with leaving whatever reviews on whatever podcast listener that you happen to be using we're on most of them make it happen people Mm -hmm. make it happen it really does mean a lot Um, just learning more and more about the way this podcast game rolls the, the reviews mean more than just making us feel good. They actually help to make us discoverable to other people looking. That way, when more people search for the foot, that they might find us. Yeah. Yeah. Share it. Come on, folks. Mm-hmm. Get it together. We are officially complaining and asking... <laughs> For you to take a couple of minutes. Honestly, that's probably the biggest thing. More than just searching it, if you like the show. Like, actually rate it. Well, and that, and just send it to people. Yeah. Uh, like, if you think, if you know somebody that's into the same stuff, say, hey, I I dig this show, you might dig it too. It all means a lot to us. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, we just got off the phone. Discussing the wood ape with a member of the North American Wood Ape Conservancy. And we will have that interview for you at some point. We are trying to delve into the secrets of Area X because no one is telling us what's going on in Area X. And we want to know. The world demands to know. Slowly chipping away at the mystery that is Area X. They keep that thing buttoned up pretty tight. I'm trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. In other news, dude, it may have been today. Today may have been the actual premiere of Whitehall. 
Oh, really? Yeah, we were accepted into a film festival that I feel like happened this weekend. So I think today may have actually been the official premiere. That's very cool. Where was that film festival? Ohio, Pennsylvania, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I think that the Kickstarter is officially over. Mm -hmm. And if it is, then that means the people who contributed at least more than $8 will be able to see Whitehall very shortly. And I I will say it is at least worth $8. You think? (laughs) I think so. It's good, man. I, I dig it. I think it's cooler than Minerva, and it's not just because of me, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you do something the first time, and then, you know, your second go-round, you're going to be a little bit better. Yeah. It's a really cool case. One thing that I got from listening to Seth was that Bear Road really got him. He was taken to the Adirondack region and that Whitehall area. Like yeah. I want to move up there kind of thing. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a cool looking area. Just watching some of the shots and just the, the town. And I don't know. It's a, I'm, I'm a sucker for places like that. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the size of it blew me away. You know, the fact that all those national parks can fit within its boundaries. It's pretty shocking. Yeah. It again goes to show you just the vastness and one of my new favorite quotes is just that the map is not the territory. It's a perfect example of how the map is not the territory, how looking at that on a map, you can't really gauge how gigantic that vast wilderness is. It's sort of like the Pine Barrens and New Jersey. Everybody gets their idea that, you know, it's Soprano and industrial and end of the turnpike. But Right, New Jersey so- is just one long city. Yeah, but, but there's a lot out there. But south of there, there's just a gigantic forest that goes all the way to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really shows the expanse of nature and how much there really is out there that is undiscovered. But you were telling me that you thought one of the interesting things with the case was the red eyes. Yeah, it's something that stood out to me uh, pretty heavily, not just because I, I noticed that the 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 main people that were the, the were the focus of the the story had mentioned that they saw red eyes, but even I want to say he interviewed a guy who had apparently seen a creature, I believe prior to the Abair Road incident. If I remember, if I'm remembering this correctly, on a golf course, and he mentioned red eyes. He actually, I think, described it as laser beams coming out of the eyes. Right. So I, I don't necessarily believe that there are lasers shooting out of it, but I do believe that he probably saw a very bright, glowing red eye, and that stood out to me because it's something that I've I've heard in other Bigfoot sighting cases, but it's not. I, I would say super common it seems like it's more common than not now i feel like yeah well i I mean not to derail but looking at the some of the drawings and and the representations i was reminded more of mothman than i was a bigfoot yeah not not to say that's what people were seeing but it does seem to share some similarities Mm. to what people claim of mothman just the shape of the body and the the glowing red eyes that's a that's a mothman thing yeah but uh, I don't know. It struck me. I, I, I was doing a lot of reading about Bigfoot sightings with with red eyes, 
and uh, there's a lot out there. It's it's a real curious thing. Yeah, and associated. we were talking just earlier uh, about Scott Harriet's sighting. That was one thing that he mentioned about seeing the glowing red eyes that almost it looked like, and this is a daytime thing, that it almost looked like someone was taking a drag off of a cigarette. Yeah. The really interesting thing is, you know, primates don't have night vision, mm-hmm. the ones that we know of. But if they are to do a lot of activity in the nighttime, is it just reflection? Is it just uh, right? an animal that has bioluminescence in its eyes is rare. There may be a few, but in fact, we went to the uh, World Aquarium. Would that be Friday? And uh, here in Dallas, the Dallas World Aquarium. Pretty cool place. Yeah, it's real awesome. Downstairs where they have the tanks mm-hmm. from all the different regions. You know, they have the, what they call like the midnight zone area where they have the luminescent jellyfish. Right. And that whole little section of the aquarium, it's like all the lights are off in there. And then there's, I mean, they look like cartoon characters. They're called flashlight fish. And they look like little aliens in there. You know, they have the green eyes. It's not actually their eye. It's crazy. It's like a panel underneath each of their eye that illuminates. Yeah. Their eyes are actually just right above it. But it creates the look that like, you know, and obviously in the total darkness, it's just green eyes looking at you and they're darting around little yeah. tiny green eyes. I mean, they look like aliens. That's yeah. exactly what they look like. The, with When you're seeing just these green panels, they look like the big alien eye. Yeah. And, you know, of course, that uh, the vampire squid or whatever has lights on each of its tentacles to distract prey or predators from knowing where his face is. Because that's the only area they can damage. So yep. he'll throw his tentacles out and make it look like his eyes are up here. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, bioluminescence is uh, not common, but it's not obviously not unheard of. Although I would think from an evolutionary standpoint, if you're talking about light coming from your eyes, I don't really see what benefit that would serve because it seems like it would screw with your vision more than anything. Uh, I actually ended up reading former OK Talk Show guest Cliff Berrickman. He had a, a blog post about the red eye phenomenon, and he said his hypothesis was simply, I mean, if you think about a human with the, getting their picture taken, the red eye reflection, reflects back. I mean, that's common. Mm-hmm. And his hypothesis was, well, these things are known to have large eyes and probably much larger proportional irises compared to a human where it takes up much a uh, larger portion of the eye he's thinking this thing's capturing way more light in a low light setting and some amount of that is being reflected back out to the point where it looks as if it's emanating its own light but it's just reflecting the massive amount of light that it's collecting which I can buy that you know I, I don't know if I don't know if that would produce the scenario that was being described in Whitehall where there's what looked like or what you know scott harriet saw where it looked like cigarettes but um you know maybe some amount of of red light is at least would stand out in the darkness it's an interesting take on just the continuing mystery 
and things that have glowing red eyes <laughs> make me think that they're not just animals. I mean, yeah, if you want to go down the road of there's something else going on here, then I guess we open up the door to just about anything. But it does add an air of uh, s- sinisterness to the Bigfoot if you're talking about something walking around with glowing eyes. That's that's way, way more creepy than just a, an animal running around. It's weird. It's weird. But anyway, I, I'm really happy with the way that Whitehall turned out. And I know I know the people that contributed to the Boggy Creek Kickstarter are going to be pretty pleased. And and it will, it will be available beyond that as well, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, actually DVDs and the jewel case stuff for the, the artwork. Yeah. Sam Sheeran's done is incredible. Really looking forward to hearing what people think about it. Mainly, I'm interested in hearing what people think about me. I think it's all pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. It's really cool. And super looking forward to Boggy Creek. Yeah, it should be fun. Looks like the end of April. We're going to get to go traipse around in the woods of Falk. <laughs> we don't give a Falk. What else, man? What, what What's been going on with you? What's been going on with me? I have had a fucking crazy week. Yeah. Well, you know, it 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 comes around every four years. <laughs> just in what we do with the election, election coverage. Just a nutty week where, I mean, on both ends of the spectrum, you know, from being the reason that a national story was made last week in regards to Antonin Scalia, and then pillows on faces. Jeez. You know, somebody on our Twitter feed was the first person that tipped me off to that. About, oh, really? Yeah. I feel like uh, Lauren Coleman had, like, a post up about it. What's up with this pillow face thing? Yeah, and basically, like, trying to tie the guy that owns the Cibolo Ranch back to Obama because there's, like, a picture of him shaking hands at some point. <laughs> Clearly, he's trying to off Antonin Scalia. I will tell you this, though. The funniest thing that I saw all week and the best thing that I saw about that was just get away from all that bullshit, but was Colbert talking about being at the um, White House press dinner. Oh, yeah, I did see that. And, you know, he's saying that he was doing this to yeah. Scalia where he's giving the, nah, because... Scalia had been caught on camera making the gesture to a reporter like a few days before. And so as he's finished his White House press core speech, which is probably the most famous one that's ever been given, if you're not familiar, mm-hmm. go look it up and you'll see why. But that basically no one wants to talk to him. No one wants to say anything to him. And here comes Scalia up to him. He's like, it, it was great. It was yeah. great. Are you doing this? Yes, sir. <laughs> it was a very nice story. I, I Yeah, it's I cool. It goes to show you, you know. I mean, it's all fun and games. Let's not you know, I talk to a lot of people that really sound like it's the end of the line for them. And it's just, you know, let's just everybody calm down. Yeah. But uh today I uh, went to the was in Grand Prairie, as Bernie Sanders followed the fish route of touring Texas as he was at Austin 360 uh-huh. today, this morning, and then um, immediately to Dallas at Verizon. Uh, it was a lot of fun being out there. It's just kind of cool being, you know, 
just being in the scene. I like. Yeah. It's 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 impressive to see, you know, what it's like when campaigns roll through town. Doorstep of history kind of stuff is really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're standing there looking at what might be a, the president of the United States or. Yeah. And I just had to flex my muscle today and claim that we were not waiting in a line and drug my family through the press corps yep. area. And I was being offered like anything that I needed. Like he was like, do you need a Marty shot? Uh, you want it? <laughs> it was pretty cool. But the one perk of this whole stupid business. Yeah. I just figured that I've had to deal with so much of the negative side of it that we should at least be able to reap the rewards. Yeah. When it comes around to flash some badge and say, let me in. Yeah. Get something out of it. And that reminds me of a funny moment in King of the Hill where Peggy thinks that she can do anything because she's a member of the press and she's trying to go see movies for free and (laughs) doesn't really work like that. Not quite. It used to. used to. Man, we had a sweet deal with Cinemark and Carlo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found a bunch of those passes that went unused and (laughs) expired like 10 years ago, but... Man, that was. Uh, I'm on. I mean, I'm on one of those mailing lists where I get invited to screenings. I, I'm working in the evening, so I don't yeah. This so, the, sc- the screenings are awesome. Yeah, but uh, you know, we just had that deal with Cinemark, right, so yeah. they sent us like movie passes, right. and we gave them to all use, away to use any anywhere. Or you know, we would give them away to listeners too. But but yeah, the movie screening is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I would always go to the ones in the afternoon. You know, when we would get done with the morning show and then go grab a bite. And it's just funny to be in there with like Wolonsky and, yeah, you know, some of the other luminaries in the media around here. And we're just sitting there not doing jack. Just just there to hang out and watch the movie. As soon as it starts, just issuing a terrible. <laughs> but yeah, it's been um, hectic. I can only imagine having to do it every day like you. You must be at about your wits end. And I hear that people around here are, are very much in the same. It's a beat down, man. It is. I uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where, I mean, you can only take so many calls with so many people saying so many terrible things to you. Or, oh, my God. Or about something else. And uh, I mean, I, I've over the relatively short amount of time that I've been in, in that job, I've been able to develop a relatively thick skin but even even then it's um one of those things where it's you just don't there are days when you just don't feel good going home and it takes a little while to shake all that off right and you're just shaking your head like wow what is wrong with some of these people yeah and i like to just go ahead and tell them that not only did i go see bernie sanders today but (laughs) tomorrow i'm going to a gala Uh at the uh omni for the opening of a new islamic center Uh uh-huh yeah, you got that right. I tell you what, if you saw the belly dancers, you'd be going too. Exactly. You'd be going too. But anyway, so I'm just days of running into days. Yeah. These days. I kind of just dropped this on you before before we got started. And I came across this. I mean, this is a completely like completely out of my sight until last week, but it was because the body was found of this this Henry McCabe guy, and you had not heard about this, right? No, I don't think so. If I had, it had been in in, in passing, and I'd not uh, really paid that much attention. That the name 
sounded somewhat familiar, but I knew nothing about what the story was. This guy um, in Minnesota basically gets, it's like Labor Day, early Labor Day morning last year. And unfortunately, we were unable to locate just the actual voicemail without so you're going to have to deal with a little bit of this news person audio, but uh, we're going to play a little bit of this for you so you know what we're talking about, and we shall react. New insight tonight into the disappearance of Henry McCabe. Five Eyewitness News has obtained cell phone audio of what police say is a call from McCabe to his wife on the night he vanished. It is a key piece of evidence that's difficult to understand, and we want to warn you, some of you might find it disturbing. Beth McDonough spoke with Henry McCabe's wife, who hopes that this audio can provide answers in her husband's disappearance. It's a voicemail unlike anything you've ever heard before. There are two minutes worth of noises, bizarre ones. But very little actual talking. Authorities confirmed the disturbing middle-of-the-night call came from Henry McCabe's cell phone. It was Labor Day, September 7th at 2.28 in the morning. McCabe's worried wife heard the message. His and my cell phone connected. Minnesota Community Policing Services is a nonprofit agency and acts as a go-between with police and the Liberian community. The leader is trying to help the family make some sense of this recording. The growls turned to high-pitched moans. Like, so, like he's moaning in pain. Mo like moaning in pain. The tortured grunts suddenly stop. There is silence. Then someone, either Henry or another person, says, Stop it. What could possibly be happening to him? And why is that happening? Okay, so what are your initial thoughts there when you hear? Well, um, let me just say, speaking strictly from a news perspective. If you're going to say that there's audio of someone saying stop it, why don't you play that audio? Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to say that the guy who owned the ranch said that there was a pillow over his head, record it. <laughs> yeah. I mean not to make light of this, but I'm just thinking if you have that, I I have no idea why cuz I want to hear that. Like I want to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. Regardless of that, that is a creepy creepy piece of audio. Especially when you know what ended up happening, which they ended up finding the guy dead in the uh, in a lake, was it, or a river, or something? Is that what where they ended up finding him? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a, it's a lake. Yeah, he was found at four twenty, of course, on Rush Lake in New Brighton, and apparently without any visible damage to the body. Right. I mean, you hear that that piece of audio and you think if there's somebody else there with him then he's fighting I mean he's there's a struggle of some sort right like, that's what that sounds like yeah um, if there's not somebody there with him then I don't know what that is yeah I mean he's either any there's actually more audio because he called his brother and it's you know it's a lot of the same I mean it's yeah. growling and howling and I'm getting chills thinking about that. Right? Dude, it's creepy because we live in an age when 
the cases of these missing people are being brought to the spotlight by uh, the missing 411 books and David Pilates. It directly links to the things that Pilates says happens in disappearances and national parks and everything where like, the bodies a lot of times are found in water mm-hmm. um, with no real sense of injury. Yeah. Missing shoes, that kind of thing. And it, you know, made me mention to you that I just listened to Pilates on some spare radio show. <laughs> I don't know which one that was. I've heard that guy before, but I'm not trying to be a jerk. But anyway, he's talking about the Eliza Lamb case and which is beyond creepy. Yeah, Eliza Lamb, of course, probably most of you seen the video of her in the elevator. She's the Asian lady in the elevator freaking out in the Hotel Cecil, which is apparently ground zero for crazy shit happening in a hotel as it's the hotel that that awful awful season of American Horror Story was based around and uh, the site of all kinds of killings and murders and suicides and suicides and then suicides where the person jumped out of a window landed on a person walking on the sidewalk and killed them too. Yeah. I had no idea the connection there with that hotel. I I had not heard that (laughs) either. I think when I originally read that story I had read the connection with the Night Stalker but where that connection being Richard Ramirez stayed in that hotel for, I, never, I don't remember how long it was, but a number of... Yeah, a long time. Yeah, months, at least. And killed 14 people or something. Yeah. I think I had read that strange connection, but I had not seen all those other stories of deaths and maimings and whatever else was going on there, which pretty wild. Right. The reason that I brought that up to you is because I thought the thing that he mentioned at the end of that was the weirdest part of it was that... He's looking at the L.A. Times from right around her that she disappeared and then they found her body two days later or whatever. Which, by the way, would there be enough soap in the world for you to wash off if you're reporting low water pressure and then to find out it's because there's a body in the tank? I mean, remember correctly. I mean, I know he says the low water pressure thing. If I remember correctly, reading about it. I read about it. People were complaining about the smell. Yeah. yeah, which, dude, there. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I would ever recover from that. I, I, I could not take enough showers after that. I could not drink enough mouthwash. And just that. imagine that after finding out why you smelled that smell. Yeah. And then, you know, just I'm sure it would just uh, that resonate would, that in your would nose. Mess with me for the rest of my life. But no, the weirdest. You know, there's always like strange coincidences and there is no such thing as coincidence. I believe I think everything happens for a reason. It's all there laid to bear, buddy. Coincidences do not exist. Mm -hmm. But that he's looking over the newspaper and he sees this just random story about how the CDC has been called out to L.A. because there's some rampant strain of tuberculosis that's ripping through town. And that the CDC is responding to these scientists who, you know, kind of put out a distress call and that the CDC shows up in L.A. to use the lamb slash Eliza TB test. So weird. So strange. 
I don't even I don't even know what to make of that. Like I mean, I there's a good chance that it's. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's a good chance, but uh, there's a reasonable chance that it's not related. But good grief, that what a weird what a weird thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, that's and that's two days after they pull her out of that water tank. Yeah, that it shows up in, the, shows paper, up in the paper, and the test is at least eight years old at that point. Yeah. Going back to that Henry McCabe story, I mean, just I can't imagine if I if I'm remembering that story correctly, they did determine, like you said, there's no sign of foul play, no sign of a struggle. They determined that he did drown. Is that is that right? Am I remembering that? Right? Did I read that correctly? I believe he drowned. I don't even know if this says that they have ruled. I thought I thought they had, but I just said. I know that it says that somebody in the community is saying there's no way that he would just drown himself. Yeah. Um, was it Bigfoot's, Matt? That's what the community wants to know. I mean, those sounds sound weird. And short of him going out and having a complete mental breakdown and calling both his wife and his brother and then, I don't know, jumping in the lake, uh, those are some those are some really strange sounds that don't sound like they're coming from a human. Yeah, or at least it sounds like there's more than one entity there, at least. Yeah. Let's say, again, if he's being tortured, let's say it's Game of Thrones and he's in the Dread Fort and Ramsey Bolton has him on the cross X and is right flaying him alive, you can make those kind of noises and understand them. Yeah. Um, but then again, why would the body not show any kind of like sign of distress? I don't know. I mean, you would think if he's, I mean, not to get morbid, but you think if he was getting strangled or beaten or something like that, like there, there would be bruising. Yeah. And the dude's a well-spoken Liberian man. Like yeah. there's, you know, video of him giving speeches. He's an auditor, state auditor or something. The thing that drives me crazy with this story and the Elisa Lamb story, it's, I, I don't see a path where we figure out what happened. No. And things like that just drive me nuts because I, I want to know, but I don't see any judging from what's out there now. It doesn't sound like unless he's made more calls that get discovered, but I think they've gone through the records and kind of tracked down who he did and did not call, but there's not much else out there. So, I don't know, man. So let me uh, let me read you something from Reddit about the Eliza Lamb case, okay? Okay. So I live right next to the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. I've seen police investigating. It's been on the news here. The whole thing seemed pretty gross, so I began reading about it. The level of coincidence here is, frankly, the most astonishing thing I think I've ever seen. Here's my timeline of research. Decomposing body found in water tank, that of Eliza Lamb. Last known footage of her was released, you know, in the elevator. Hotel guest residents were drinking slash ingesting slash bathing, etc. with this water. Gross, sure. I recall this is pretty similar to the way the movie The Dark Water ended. Character's body in the water tank on the roof. Male lead character has a hard time shutting elevator. The Cecil Hotel where this girl died has a long history of really bad shit going down. The Black Dahlia girl is known to have frequented it. The main characters in Dark Water are named Cecilia and Dahlia. So I think, shit, 
that's a really crazy coincidence. The news begins reporting a fast-spreading drug-resistant outbreak of TB. The specific form of TB is contracted by ingestion and also notorious for being passed along by from the dead to the living. In the exact area of this death in downtown Los Angeles. So that's worrisome. I live there. While the news is talking about the TB outbreak, they mention the name of the TB test. The name of the TB test is letter for letter the girl's name that died, but first name last, Lamb slash Eliza. The TB test, which is for a particular form of TB that can be contracted by ingesting, it mirrors her name. Okay, so at this point, sirens are going off in my head. I'm calling my girlfriend like, can you believe this shit? This is fucking nuts. What are the chances of this being a coincidence? So I start playing with her name. Maybe the universe is trying to say something, right? So I arrange it to L.A. Melissa. I'm on that for a while until I arrange it again to Seal I Lamb. Then I'm like, hmm, Seal Lamb. The first seal in Revelations is broken by the lamb. Okay, mind blown. Look up the meaning of the name Eliza. The name means God's vow or dedicated to God. Or God is my oath. These aren't far-reaching stretches of the imagination. This is in your fucking face. (laughs) I'm not a Christian nor religious, really. I do think there's more than what we see. I can't wrap my head around this. Anyone care to chime in? And the first comment on this Reddit thread is, I don't know what to say except wow. (laughs) I mean, at that point, what, what 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 else is going on here? Like, the universe, God, somebody, is saying something. Okay, so I'm going to put out a call now. I'm going to go ahead and put out a call. And, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to interact with the show. Send us your craziest, most bizarro, most rational explanations, thoughts, email us, go to the Facebook page, email us at oktalkpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to know what you guys think because, again, like, Pilates doesn't, he mentions dark water or maybe, you know, that audio cuts off there. So maybe, yeah, you know, it goes on to say, but I mean, that the characters in the movie are named Cecilia and Dahlia? That's so weird. What? And the dude, I'm circumstances creeped out right yeah. now. I'm also, creeped. If anybody hasn't seen that video of her in the in the elevator, that's enough to drive you freaking crazy. Yeah, so see in both of these cases, and this is one thing that I'm wanting to look over my shoulder right now. Like, I'm, I'm feeling like there's something on me. I am looking over your shoulder, and you should be concerned. <laughs> the thing that bugs me out, and a lot of times I feel like, okay, let's get conspiracy-ish. A lot of times, you know, things that are going, like when someone really feels like, uh, something bad is happening or you want to, you know, drugs are always like an out, like a scapegoat. 
you know? Yeah. If you're ever into the government taking somebody out or whatever, you know, it's really easy to, and I, I can't even remember the television shows that back in the day would show that where somebody gets a needle stuck in them that has, you know, like a dose of heroin. And then they're like, who's going to believe you? You know, you're a heroin addict, right? You know, nobody's going to believe they're going to believe me over you. And the fact that the obvious thing is that, look, I mean, I've seen people tripping their nuts off. I mean, I kind of like hanging around with people that do that, but the way that she's acting in the elevator, the looking out, the coming back in, But then there's also the thing with like the doors not shutting, you know, there's obviously like, you know, there's obviously something is outside that's freaking her out and whether or not it's a ghost or an entity or whatever, I don't know. She's wigging out, but it's so easy for people to say, well, obviously she's on dope, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, um, what someone claims to be a reasonable explanation of this. And they're talking about the types of drugs that she had been prescribed and basically making it sound like it was some sort of mental disorder that she was experiencing, which is possible, but again, doesn't explain everything. It's possible. But again, if we're going to talk about coincidences and that a fact, the fact that a completely normal human being would go to Los Angeles to go sightseeing and go to Disneyland and not have any kind of report of mental disorders, psychosis or whatever. And then to be in a place where all of this horrible shit has happened. And then for that to just all of a sudden trigger, maybe it is a mental disorder, but maybe something's pushing the button that's making her go insane. Yeah. But then also, let's talk about the Henry McCabe guy. It really pisses me off whenever people are like, oh, well, that guy smoked pot. Clearly, he's losing his mind. (laughs) I don't know that that guy smoked weed. I don't know. But he sounds like he's on PCP to me. Watched enough episodes of Cops to see what people are acting like on PCP, you know, running through bullets and all that kind of stuff. But it's so funny that that is just such a scapegoat for bizarre behavior right now this is weird because i wanted to here we go here's synapses firing when we were dri- when i was driving over here i was thinking about telling you this story and i will tell it in a minute but okay so do you remember carter albrecht the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the uh, bass the player yeah, yeah for sorta who was shot right outside a studio no 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 what, what? his girlfriend's neighbor shot him in the face because he was banging on his door and it was the castle law doctrine thing Okay, because he was intoxicated and beaten on this dude's door and the asshole shot him in the face and killed him Mm -hmm. which don't get me started on that shit but the thing with Carter was he was on Chantix and his death caused Chantix like the lawsuits and all that, the warnings about psychosis and people having crazy nightmare dreams, which was something that his girlfriend relayed. Yeah. I mean, because this is a dude that, let's be honest, I mean, this guy was a fucking rock star and could put down, you know, six or seven Miller lights and it not affect him. Yeah. And, uh, but the combination, whatever that combination was, like it drives me crazy. Like if like if somebody was going to ask me, I'd be like, 
Fuck no, don't take Chantix. No, I, I've heard from people who have taken it and who've said I had to stop it because it made me feel crazy. I mean, I mean, like not made me feel weird, but made you literally feel crazy. So that's, it's like I just contradicted myself. It's You know, it's like I don't like the just generic, oh, well, it was drugs. But then again, you know, we don't know what the crap these prescription pills that they are putting together, what kind of like, you know, what kind of little, like, what if she, being in L.A., what if she happened to have some sort of a food or some sort of a juice that the enzyme and that protein or carbohydrate set off like a chain reaction with these drugs that because, you know, whatever drug company just pushed them through quickly so there was no need to think about let's test it against all odds because you know they don't they don't test you know they're always fast tracking that shit yeah the the thing about her case where i mean you can explain that weird video you can explain that stuff however you want it doesn't really matter like the thing that drives me crazy about that case is that she ended up on the roof getting through a locked door and an alarm somehow and climbing up the side of a, I, I don't even like remember. a 10 foot tall tank that has no ladder, right? Getting in Which a secured latch. Yeah. And getting inside the and tank. then is naked inside of it. How does, how does all that happen? And has to be removed. Like they have to cut a hole to get her out of the water tank. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, drugs, Matt, clearly. <laughs> drugs teleport. Clearly, she smoked a joint at some point. She smoked a joint, turned into smoke, and flew in, inside the pipes. and ended up- It's reefer madness all over again. It's reefer madness. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, you can say it may explain the other Henry McCabe case because he's apparently out in the woods and, I mean, for whatever. He had, had, been, at a, he had been at a club. Had a bad trip and, and ended up in the water, but, I mean... I don't see how it explains the other case. Yeah, but ends up flipping out and then disappears for days on yeah. end and then is found in a lake that they had searched. Yeah. That's the other thing about a lot of these missing person cases is the fact that a lot of times the bodies are at in a found in a place where it was like the first place they looked. Yeah. Or like that was an obvious location that they had searched, you know, like there's one about, you know, like they find the kids clothes, like in the middle of a trail that was like, that's where they would have begun the search. Like, here's the last place we saw him. And then, you know, 10 days later, boom, his clothes are there, you know, like, and that happens a lot in these cases. Like, well, we'll search this lake. We'll search this lake. And then, Oh, well, uh, uh, kayaker actually found his body you know floating in the lake that they had been searching yeah floating i don't know it's it's bizarre yeah it's bizarre and the frustrating thing is like you said there's no like end in sight you know right there there are no answers to be had i it's a strange place we live in what scares me the most is Everything they say, I mean, that dude was normal. Like, that dude was just a dude. He was our age. 
more or less. And I mean, a lot of the comments, they're a little insensitive. Wife's out of town. You know, it doesn't make it's not that crazy to think that the dude would go out, party, flip his lid. But again, like you said, okay, so just get rid of the phone call altogether. Like, yeah, he was wigging out, man. The guy is just acting a fool. But then for him to disappear and yeah. then be found in an area that was like the first place that they looked because his cell phone was pinging from that lake. Yeah. You know? I mean, I just think about I mean, how, I don't know how easily, but it happened to one of us. <laughs> like, it's, it's creepy to think about. Lord knows if we keep doing this show, it's going to. Yeah. We're going to end up traipsing through the woods one day. and So that's our show, folks. Thanks so much for everything you've done for us. <laughs> It's weird. Before before we get too far away from it, let me let me just tell you why I was thinking about Carter. So Carter was a legit virtuoso, played bass in a band called Sorta and a little band called the New Bohemians. He was in New York with Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. And Edie Brickell is married to and the reason this popped into my head is because I saw that Paul Simon's playing the Windstar. Uh-huh. And Edie Brickell is married to Paul Simon, right? So they play this gig in New York, and the band stays at their house. <laughs> we had just asked Carter one night when we were all hanging out after he'd gotten back, you know, did you get to hang out with Paul? You know, it's Paul Simon we're talking about here. We realized New Bohemians, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been doing that bit for a while, but it's one of these marriages where it's not like they're always doing stuff together. They're both artists and everything. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I met I met Paul. And we're like, well, you know, what, what happened? He's like, well, so we came back from the club, you know, doing the gig and basically having a little band party at Edie's house and I fell asleep on this couch and all I know is I woke up and I'm feeling somebody kind of shaking me saying, Hey buddy, Hey buddy. And I come to, and I open my eyes. And the first thing I think of is like, Holy shit, that's Paul Simon. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? (laughs) And I'm like, what, what am I doing? And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I kind of am coming to, and Paul Simon is holding up the blanket that Carter is using, and it's a it's a Civil War flag that Carter, in the middle of the night, pulled off the wall to cover up with, and it's like a priceless artifact. It's like, yeah, so I met Paul. Didn't go so well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but he's, you know, that's a... It's weird, like, in that situation, you know, I do, mainly because I knew him, and I've been around him when, in all states of inebriation, and the guy was just a beast, man. He was big and strong and fit and could drink anyone under the table. Yeah. Um, And just to have that shit happen to him and know that, that just like mental issue had just popped up. It'd been like two weeks. He had just been prescribed, just trying to quit smoking. Yeah. That stuff is scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. I don't know. I, I, uh, 
I haven't even read the missing 411 books. And I mean, I know they're super popular. They're not easy to find. I mean, no, they're you... not easy to find. Every time I'm at a, a you know, a bookstore. This is where we fail because we don't go to conferences. Right. I I always look to see if anyone is like sold them back to a half price books or something like that. Yeah, it's no. Never, I never find them. No way. It's just like the really good Bigfoot books. Like mm-hmm. the really good Bigfoot books you either like where did where did Megan get that? It was my mom actually that that got it. It was from the uh for the the Lake Worth Monster book. Mhm. Uh, it was from the the half price books, the big one in in Dallas on Northwest Highway. Oh, so she bought you the one? Yeah, that was there, that was under the glass case yeah, and everything. We were there. Um, I don't. I think I'd had lunch with her or something like that. Uh, it, it kind of. Uh, there's a there's a German restaurant right across the mm-hmm. street. And uh, you ate over there. Mm-hmm. I used to go and watch soccer. Yeah, they're early in the morning. Yeah, uh, they, I mean they have good food, um, and so that's we a had, cool place. We had lunch over there, and uh, I had been telling her, I don't know, a month prior, probably about the Lake Worth Monster book. I mean, she knew the story, obviously, but I said there's a you know there's a book out there, and it's at the half price books, and I always go and look at it, and it's like a hundred dollars or something like that. I said, uh, uh, you know, I, and so we were sitting there eating, and she goes, "Hey, let's walk over and." look at it i was like all right you know whatever so we go and i find it in the in the glass case and it's sitting there and uh she's like oh that's you know cool i mean she acted just like she wanted to see it and i left and i mean that was a couple of months prior to christmas and then christmas morning Uh uh-huh there's a there's a book in the bag and it's and it's that and i and that thing i i had not even i not even asked to to look at it I'm not asked to take it out or anything like that. I always just looked at it behind the thing, and I'm like, I'm not paying a hundred dollars. I want, I want it. But I'm right. not, I, there's no way I'm paying that money. I want it, but not that bad. Um, and when I got it and looked at it, I mean, that thing's brand new. Like it's, it's, it's not been creased. It, it has not been read. It feels like it came straight out off, the, out of the printer. So, um. I don't know. I don't know how that thing ended up there, or where it came from, but it's pristine, and I don't know. Cool. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really happy to have that. But I mean, like uh, raincoat Sasquatch, which is kind of my favorite Bigfoot book. Uh huh. And recently, you know, apparently it's one of the ones that's kind of hard to find. You know, I mean, I got that one directly from the publisher. Yeah. And the locals I got from the publisher, and um, I I do very much want to read those missing four one one books. Yeah, I do too. And I want to talk to the guy. You know, I think that's he he does interviews. He does do interviews. It's funny because when that so (laughs) he was involved in the Hoopa project, which was this uh, Bigfoot research thing. The problem is that uh, there is a person from Nacogdoches, Texas, that was involved by the name of Dr. Melba Ketchum. (laughs) The legendary? Yeah, I was given the wifey shit about her the other day just because, you know, 
family basically invented Nacogdoches, and I'm like, look what you gave the world. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. And I was just Googling pictures of it, yeah. of her, and showing them to her. Like, <laughs> we were sitting next to each other. I'm like, look. Look at her. <laughs> She's brilliant audio, though. And then I started showing her the hair braiding horses thing. That's why my wife doesn't take what we do seriously. No, mine neither. Yet she wants you to talk about Thunderbirds. Yes, she does. There are certain topics where she says, please, please talk about them. So in a future episode, I think we'll broach the topic of of Thunderbirds, which are fascinating. I mean, that's, that's something that I'd love to have. I wonder if Kathy knows anything about that, since that's a big Native American... I know someone. I know someone who's had a Thunderbirdian encounter mm-hmm. of sorts. A, a really, really good friend of mine, and it's funny because we were on the phone the other day talking about the show, and we were talking about his theories on some of the things that we've talked about. And I remembered him telling me that a long time ago. But I didn't want to bring it up to him because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, was that just like a crazy night? Yeah. And sure enough, I mean, like as soon as I started thinking about it, you know, synchronicity occurred and he was like, I mean, you remember, I mean, I thought I told you it was all this thing. Yeah, we should, we should be able to, we should be able to come up with something like that. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if any of you people know anybody that's, uh riding on the back of a thunderbird don't send me pictures of your vehicles people please let us know on that yeah it's weird like i have this weird feeling of like i don't know how to end this thing with us talking like this we just sort of it's like discussing the missing people and coming to the realization that we don't really there is no end in sight has made me feel like there is no end in sight for this podcast because like, I don't know what's the good hammer to lay down. It's so bizarre and I can't stop thinking about it either. I I don't know. I want to do, I mean, I, I sent you a a list of other very odd disappearances and I think it's probably something that we should bring back up in the future because. Yeah. The reason that, you know, I hadn't really brought him up, was mainly because he was everywhere so much, yeah. you know? And then, uh, like, he actually was on with art for the first time, you know, on art's last <laughs> <laughs> last radio venture. Man. Um, Nightmare. I know, right? I know. Uh, but that's really the only reason why like it wasn't like top of mind but every time that I heard him speak and everything and the stories he was telling I always got creeped out yeah like his is the kind of thing that like if I fall asleep to it and I'm listening to it like it'll fuck with me you're gonna have some nightmares yeah which speaking of which so I think I told you like I had stopped watching The Walking Dead Like, I basically, I mean, I wasn't keeping up with any television shows sans, like, Game of Thrones. And I just, I just got tired of it. I just got tired of it. That's all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I guess, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, when it's the 
mid-season re-premiere bit that they right. like to do. I walked in on it being watched, and it was uh, when Glenn is like standing in front of his gates, and there's like a horde of walkers coming at him, and yeah. she's screaming, and it's it's over for him for sure. And then. <laughs> And I just like shook my head and walked, you know, <laughs> kept on doing whatever it was I was doing. That night I had the worst zombie dreams really? ever. And it literally took one minute of watching it. And I was so mad. Yeah. And that just, it reminded me of when it first started and watching the first six of that first season on Netflix in one weekend. Mm-hmm. And like, that was when we were living uh, at the Lincoln in Las Colinas that had that really urban encapsulated parking yeah. garage inside the apartment complex kind of thing we were like going we were going to dinner or something it was like <laughs> creeped out now like we watched Cheat six up. hours of the walking dead straight and i was having just i was having like shane type of nightmares like yeah. when shane is becoming a zombie in that scene and yeah. i would have like every time i fell asleep it was the worst i had a zombie nightmare the other night too I don't, I don't remember it very well, but now that you mentioned it, I I had one. Do, 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 do. <laughs> See, if the zombie apocalypse happens, it's going to happen because of the pharmaceuticals. This is just to bring it all back around. Yep. That's where it's going to come from. It's going to be it's going to be some kind of vaccine or some shit that people are going to get, which again, here we are like tapping into the don't get your kids vaccinated because that shit's from the government and you don't want to put it in your body. Meanwhile, we allow a strain of tuberculosis to break back out because people in Los Angeles won't get their kids fucking right. Dead diseases are coming back to life. I, I don't even understand how just watching one minute of it could have caused that kind of chaos and havoc in my head that yeah. and the thing about it was i woke up like three something in the morning and i'm just like shit you know like i know that i've just woken up out of a walker dream and i got up and went in and got like water and everything and laid my head back down boom right back in it it's not fun that's where it's coming from though folks your pharmaceuticals oh good grief i mean that that bath salt stuff from a few years ago was scary enough. Yeah. People in Florida eating each other. Do you realize that I thought for the longest time that they actually were smoking bath yeah, salt? I didn't understand it. <laughs> I was like, how is that? What is it, lavender or something? Yeah. Like, Crushing did somebody just say, oh, chalk it. I'm having some of this. Because <laughs> didn't, sure didn't you have like a relative or some somebody that you knew that had the ubiquitous bottle of bath salts that sat there for years and years in a bathroom, you know? Oh, like sure, yeah. Like, I feel like every bathroom in my parents' home yeah. had, like, some little container. And I started thinking, like, what cracked out hippie thought, like, <laughs> I'm going to smoke this, man. Looks like a rock, man. That was the closest I've ever felt to it's happening. When, I, when you started hearing those stories of... Seriously, biting somebody's on, face yeah, off, jumping on each other and biting someone. Like that's 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 it. It's happening, folks. That's it. It it can't happen. It can't. It can't go down like that. Fuck zombies. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. I was never into the zombie thing at all and then watch a little bit of Walking Dead and I'm like, "Ooh, this is interesting." Yeah. Where's it going to go? Well, it's going to go nowhere. They're like three miles from where they started. They're still in the woods, and there's still other people. 
I just feel like highest rated TV show. Let's just so strange how that's caught on. Then again, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not really up on the. I do know that there's a thing called Rashon going on, but other than that, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's the big bomb drop. Jesus Christ. Uh, should we do an intro for our guest? Sure. Yeah, you want to? You want to do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we might as well get that on tape as well. Let's do it right now, because, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know any way to end this podcast, so yeah, let's just go into his Area X extravaganzas. and Yeah, this is um, Brandon. Brandon Lentz. I think that's how, I never even asked how to say his last name, but that's how it's spelled. Looks about right. Um, he reached out to us. He's a fan of the fan of the show. Likes what we had to do, and he's a he should of, be. <laughs> he's a member of the NAWAC, as we were chastised. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna go ahead. And, <laughs> no, we'll just let the audio in. Yeah, it'll speak for itself. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, he re- he reached out to us. Uh, he had spent some number of weeks this summer out in Area X, which we are fascinated by, and uh, said he had some stories to tell. So. We said, come on, tell your stories. And that is what you are going to hear. Tell us why Brian Brown has disappeared into the woods. Ghosted on us. As the wood ape for which he searches. Disappeared from thermal cameras. Yeah, so anyway, we reached Brandon at his home via the miracle of telephonic communication multiple times not quite a miracle this time not quite okay so brandon how did you track down brian brown well i had uh been a big fan of the now defunct podcast the bigfoot show and you know, the ones that they released that were about area x were the ones that always stood out to me so i really i just went on facebook and typed in his name and he popped up so I, I started uh, sending him a couple of messages, and he was really responsive. So that's eventually how I wound up joining the NAWAC. So he was responsive to your stalking? <laughs> he was okay with it. You know, he's a, he's a gracious guy, especially when it comes to uh, you know output about what the group does. I, I think that's sort of, I mean, I won't say that we followed the same track, but those Area X episodes definitely were something where, we said there there's something else going on here that we need to start paying attention to because that the stuff that they was they were saying about that place was was on another level. Yeah, it's it's legendary. It's crazy what goes on down there. So you rode to Oklahoma to go to the retreat with Brian? I did. Um before I had ever met anybody in the group, I rode for 14 hours in a car with Brian to go down to the retreat. And I think that was two years ago now. Was that just a, a master class in Bigfootery? <laughs> you know, I got to listen to Brian talk about apes for two days. So it was pretty great. Dude, he's so, he has such a soothing voice that I would imagine that would be, that would be perfect for you to like, you know, you're driving, he's driving along, just droning on. He looks over and you're asleep, but you have kind of a grin on your face, having little, like, little dreams of wood apes. Because I find myself falling asleep, you know, not in a bad way, like I fall asleep to that podcast. It's just, right. I think. He soothes you. 
You know, those Bigfoot Information Project podcasts, he has a really like NPR delivery on a lot of those. And they're just, they're real soothing. I can listen to the guy talk. Oh, I I know what you mean. I could too. He's he's a total professional. Yeah, I'm a big nerd for the Bigfoot show. I mean, you know, we'd have these kind of conversations anyway, but that really... Really, us yeah, turn turn me into wanting to investigate it further. So, you uh, you were an associate. Did you have to be an associate for a year? How much? I, I know we can't get too inside baseball on on the Nawak. <laughs> we don't want to break. Come any, on now. We don't want to break. On. We don't want to break any rules. But um, well, you already broke a rule by by saying the Nawak. Now, see, I don't understand that because Paul Bowman called it the Nawak on one of those podcasts. Yes, I listened. I was listening to, I was listening to the Area X episodes to get ready to talk to you, the last like two days, and I remember Kathy saying that. Well, we don't we don't call it the Nawak. It's just the NAWAC, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not just making that up, you know. <laughs> and then, but I, I'm not going to call her out either. But I was listening to one of those. It's one of the down in the valley of the Jolly Green Apes or whatever, and he's talking about. You know, it's when he's talking about seeing the ape that he thinks is Daryl. It's that episode where mm-hmm. he's like pissed off at Daryl because he's like, where the F were you? <laughs> it's that one right around in there. He says he the Nawak, which yeah. I think is a cool sounding name. I, I... That's going to upset like half the members of the group now that you've said that. Okay. But... Well, look, I'm not trying to piss anybody off, but Paul Bowman is kind of important. Am I wrong? I mean, we're having retreats at the Bowman Lodge. I think the dude is like second in command or something over there. Oh, so, he's the vice chairman of our group, so well, he, he is pretty important. Well, Paul, don't get mad at me because I called you out, but you did say it. It is on record. They're trying to... It is, it's the N-A-W-A-C. So, now that we've... Now that we've angered most of the group, let's continue. <laughs> Did you have to do field work for a year before they would let you into X or? Um, sort of. Because I'm so far away from the original four state region that they operated in, I got to do things a little differently. I was actually invited into X by Brian for a little weekend retreat that was in January two years ago. So it wasn't during a summer operation. Basically, I got to do my training inside of Area X. And am I, am I to understand that things were popping off pretty quickly for you? Um, that particular weekend, we, we didn't experience much. But when we got there, maybe five minutes after we got out of the truck, a rock came flying down from the mountain slope and hit one of the sheds. And that was pretty much it for me. Like, that's all it took. So obviously you were into the subject prior to kind of diving pretty deep in it. Were you going out on your own at all and and checking things out or just reading and absorbing as much as you could from the safety of home? I was an armchair Bigfooter until I went to Area X on that January trip. You know, I I had been reading reading about it for a very long time, at least 10, 15 years, and I've always been fascinated by it but it took me a really long time to actually go out and try to satisfy my curiosity about it. And the NAWAC seemed like they were legitimate, and the stories that they were telling seemed like they were true to me. So that's that's why I chose to finally get out of my living room and do something to satisfy my curiosity and see if I could help. What, what were your thoughts on 
on Bigfoot before you got involved with them. I, and, and I mean that by, you know, they they take the stance that it's an undiscovered ape species. Had you had sort of a parallel thinking before you started listening to what they had to say? Or what, what did you think it was before you really got invested deeply in, in AWAC? No, I, I held pretty much the same stance that they did. I, I really thought that it was just an undiscovered primate, and I still think that way. I never thought that it was anything supernatural or anything of that sort. So why don't you go ahead and just walk us through your first experience in the famed Area X? Okay. Well, this was last summer, last August. I went to meet Mark McClurkin, and I rode down with him. He drove me into the compound because he had a much better vehicle, more suited for that road than I had. And we get on our way into the compound, maybe, I don't know, five or six miles into the mountain, and we round a corner, and we both see this big, upright, reddish-brown thing running, basically sprinting on two legs away from us in the woods. From my, from my perspective, it was hunched over slightly as it ran, and the details that I can make out was that it had huge shoulder muscles and its arms were actually tucked into its body as it ran. Was it running along a road or into the trees or something like that? Um, Into the trees away from us. It wasn't running along the road. It didn't run in front of us. It was already running away from us as we rounded this corner. Did you get a sense how far away it, it it was from you and how quickly it was moving? It was about 30, 40, 30 or 40 yards and... This thing moved faster than I had seen any other animal run in my life. It was a blur. It's it's amazing how, how fast this thing was running, and it didn't bob or bounce or break stride or anything. It just looked like it was on a track. And you both caught sight of it? We did. I saw it for a couple seconds longer than Mark did. But yes, we, we both saw it. Wow. So things are getting started right away <laughs> when you get down there. Yeah. I, I got really lucky, you know, before I even got out of the truck on my first trip to Area X, I, I managed to have my own sighting. Is there anything that, uh, I mean, we've heard varying, you know, reports and obviously what they've said about Area X. Is there anything that strikes you about it? Is it just remote wilderness or anything that stands out to you about being out there? It's farther away from anywhere than I've ever been. Like, it's when... I say middle of nowhere, it's literally miles from nowhere. It's the most remote place I've ever spent time in. And you're from Minnesota. <laughs> yes. So there's wilderness that's, around you. That's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> so what else happened? You know, I, I unpacked my gear and then I started walking around. And as I started walking around, I heard a couple of wood knocks from on top of the mountain. And that's a, a very, very common thing that happens there. Did you get the sense that uh, it was more active than normal, or uh, you know, were, was anybody else commenting on what was going on? Well, at the time, I, I really didn't know what was more active than normal because that was my, my literally my first day there in the summer during a summer operation. But the activity definitely picked up as soon as I got there. Was this 2015 or 14? This was last summer, so 2015. Okay. Can you tell us what month it was? It was August. Okay, so it was late summer then. 
Yeah, we, were, when, we, we were having that conversation about just the way that the weather was last year and the rain and the storms. And it seemed like everything was delayed. You know, it didn't get hot as balls until later in the summer here because yeah. we just had a monsoon season. Well, during the time that I was there, it was super, super hot. Yeah, well, by yeah. August. <laughs> yeah, you're in it by August. <laughs> yeah, during the day, the temps reached 104, 105. It's nice. Nice, cool, cool breeze, though. It's a dry heat, right? <laughs> Did that humidity have you thinking, oh, geez, I need to go back to Minnesota? You know, <laughs> I had already experienced so many incredible things at that point that the heat didn't really matter. That's great. Like you were you were in it by that by that point. Yeah. Once you get down there and you see one and you have these crazy things happen, like you, you deal with the suckiness of it all. Did that? I mean, I have to imagine that on a in an intellectual level, you pretty much accept their existence, but actually seeing one running around or hearing things, I mean, does, does that affect you in some way? Do you have a whole new look on things after, after that? You know, I definitely had a whole new appreciation and outlook for these animals. I, I was, I don't know, 70, 75% sure that they existed before I came down there. And then once, once you see one, that's, that's it. Do you have family and friends back home that you were like, guys, I, I just got back from Oklahoma and saw a Bigfoot. What'd you do this weekend? <laughs> you know, I did a little bit and, you know, everybody has like a, a general interest about it and they'll, they'll listen to my story and they say, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, they kind of change the subject after that. Yeah. So anyway, the Vikings. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. You see one when you pull in, you hear some wood knocking. How long were you down there? That time I was down there for a week. Okay. And anything else stand out about that trip? Did you find anything? Oh, definitely. Um, there, I have a few stories about that particular week. I was there with Brian that week. There were two different times where I went and just sat down in the woods and had trees pushed over very near me, one of which was maybe a minute after I sat down on the road and this, uh, this tree fell over, I don't know, 20 or 30 yards behind me. You saw that or you, you heard it or I heard it. And then I got up and whipped around and saw the tree fall. Wow. And there was zero wind at that time. I mean, it's take a pretty substantial wind to blow down a tree. I would think, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the, in the <laughs> middle of the forest. Right. As, as I heard the tree fall, I actually heard a large crash. So I'm, I'm pretty sure one of these things pushed it down behind me. There's no way of knowing because I didn't see it personally, but mm -hmm. it just seems crazy to me to have a tree fall directly behind me You know, a minute after I sit down. I was reading your article, too. You say you basically heard, like, the Ohio howl. I did. Um, the The second night I was there... I did Overwatch, and I'm sure you guys have heard right. you know, our, our other members describe what Overwatch is. I was sitting out in front of the cabin, and at about 4.15 a.m., I heard a bunch of rocks moving around in the creek, and then I heard basically the first four or five seconds of the Ohio Howl, and it was pretty close to me. I'd say it was maybe 50, 60 yards away. Wow. And that was, <laughs> I had set my tent up pretty close to the creek, and 
I heard that howl from behind my tent. And that particular night, you know, I wasn't used to ape activity happening. So I, I chose to sleep in the cabin that night instead. Right. <laughs> so let me ask you, at any point in your time there, were you actually afraid? Not really. Aside from that night, you know, I, I was a little apprehensive. But once you get down there and you get used to the settings and you get used to the apes being active around you, I, for me, it's it's more fun than scary. You know, we've had guys down there for 10 years and never as once anybody gotten hurt by one of these things. Right. Keep that in mind when I go down there. Did you experience the sweaty horse smell? I did. I did a couple of times. So it just smells like a zoo, like it'll come on you? That sounded bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it'll uh, wash well, over you? It will wash over you, yes. <laughs> Much better. It, yes, it's very distinctive. Um, the I, I was actually down there for a couple of different weeks this past summer, and the second week I was there, there was an experience I had where I was sitting in the creek, and I smelled a very pungent, almost, well, pretty gross smell that I can best describe as a wet dog or a wet horse mixed with urine. Mm. What other wildlife do you see running around out there? Do, do these things tend to tend to chase away some other wildlife, or is it pretty active with everything that you might imagine out in the woods like it's, that? It's teeming. I, I've seen bear out there. I've seen a bunch of deer. I saw a bobcat once. There's all kinds of things running around there. There's a lot of rats, which I don't particularly care for. Mm. Um, a That's, few different kinds of snakes. I had some rats in my garage recently, so I'm I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I know the uh, the main mission, or at least one of the main missions for the NAWAC, is to shoot one of these things and get and bring a body back. Um, right. What What are your feelings on? I I know you're a hunter, so I mean. It, I don't know that, you know, I know you don't have any uh, qualms about uh, hunting other, other things, but does it, do you, does it feel a little weird to think that you might have to pull a trigger on one of these? Um, not really, just because I, I know that bringing a body is the only way that we're ever going to be able to prove that these things exist. Now, for the most part, I, I only, I am a hunter, but I only kill the things that I'm going to eat, and that's 99% true for me, aside from you know, these, these wood apes. And when it comes to apes, I, I have no problem shooting one and bringing the body to science just so we can prove their existence and start to get them protected. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm definitely willing to shoot one. That's, that's not a problem for me. Has Scott Harriet called you to scold you yet? <laughs> not yet. And I'm hoping he doesn't have my number. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one thing that I've, found kind of crazy about the last year or so is when Brian pulled the plug on the Bigfoot show and after the the monograph project or whatever the Watchtaw Watch monograph, monograph was released it's been like deathly silent except for your piece that's on the website actual official NAWAC material hasn't been released I know there was supposedly going to be another podcast that was uh, going to be produced, but... There still may be something in the works. I'm, I'm working on it. All right. I've heard that. 
that people are working on it. I can't I can't promise anything. But. No, no, no. I, I hear you. I understand. He's almost as furtive as our said wood ape sometimes. <laughs> Is um thing about it that's crazy to me. It's just like it was almost like information overload and then it the line went silent. Did it seem like there was more activity than usual last year? Less about right. Can you tell us did anybody fire on a wood ape? As far as I remember, nobody fired on a wood ape. Um, activity was interesting last year. You know, we, we still had a bunch of sightings. The thing that sticks out to me is, for whatever reason, they they didn't throw nearly as many rocks as they had in years past. And I, I don't have any guesses or reasons why that is. You know, they were definitely still around, but for whatever reason, they just decided to quit throwing as many rocks as they used to. That's weird. I wonder if they're getting used to folks hanging around. I mean, I, I guess after all this time, you'd think they'd be used to it by now, but who knows what, who knows what could be behind that? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question. And that's, that's the thing about these animals is they always bring up more questions than answers. There was the television report out of Oklahoma that, you know, you had a radio tracking device that was rigged on a string Looked like it was like like a sticker burr or whatever yeah. that had a radio yeah. transmitter, and then right. it was reported that that was missing, quote unquote missing, or that it had been picked up by something. Can you give us any information on that? Because I, I was confused as to like if it was a radio transmitter, why would it be hard to locate it? Well, the reason that it would be hard to locate it is because there's it's not a GPS tag, so. When we go down and look for this tag that's activated, we we do it in, you know, the Watchtown Mountain Range. And whatever activated this tag or whatever this tag is stuck to, you know, if it steps behind a rock or if it's, you know, the next valley over, you're not going to get a signal from it. So really, you have to be in the right place at the right time. And then once you get a signal, then you have to catch up to it. So it's it's still a big challenge. So it works on sort of a, a line of sight type thing? Right, exactly. There's a lot of interference down there when it comes to, you know, peaks and valleys. And to get to get a good, clear signal, you have to be within pretty good, good close range to get a signal from it. I wonder if this is where, like, a radio truck would work. If you send an engineer truck where they shoot up like a Marty shot, where they right. reel out the giant antenna swing and go straight up into the air and swing that thing around. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how we do, you know, you would do a remote broadcast for a live radio show, you know, uh, look for the, look for the tower, look for the tower and shoot a signal to it. Right. It's the same I, concept. I would love to have a GPS tag, um, but they're, they're so expensive. And at this point, the group just doesn't have the funds for it. Right. Can you give us any information? Are they going to do another conference? I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I need some more NAWAC in my life. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to do another conference. You know, that's, that's not up to me. If they are planning it, I, I don't know about it. I think at this point, we're just pretty focused on our main mission, and that's you know, bringing one of these animals out into the light and into science. Is the general feeling that to buckle down, focus on the mission, and let's get this thing done. Is exactly, that- exactly. You know, we we've been trying for for so long and for so hard, and you know, we've got all these amazing stories that have come out of Area X. But at this point, until we get a body, you know, they're they're just stories. 
and we want them to to be true. They are true, but we want to prove it. Is there a sense of urgency among among the group that you know they need to get a body sooner than later? Oh, definitely. You know, the the longer that we don't get a body, the more clear cutting happens. Their habitat is systematically getting destroyed, and the longer the longer it takes to get a body, you know, the less the less habitat they're going to have, and that's that's where the urgency comes from. What's what's ahead for you? When are you gonna are you gonna are you going back out there this summer? Oh, definitely. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, I'm going out for two weeks next summer. In the, in the meantime, are you doing some hunting around in the uh, the Minnesota area? You know, we've we've taken a few reports here and there from the Minnesota area, and we've got five members up here now. And uh, we're we're trying to get our schedules lined up so we can spend some weekends in some more of the wooded, secluded areas that we hear reports out of. It would be great to find some activity up here. When we started this thing, I told Matt that I thought that it was going to be solved last summer. But then I also feel like last year was the weirdest year. Uh, it really, I mean, weather-wise, it was just bizarre. Yeah. If anything was different there, I'm hoping that's the only reason. Well, they, they're they're still around, thankfully. You know, we, like I said, we, we still had plenty of really, really interesting and amazing, when you think about it, activity. I mean, we still had plenty of guys that had sightings, and I, I had, you know, that activity with the trees falling behind me. I had a rock thrown at me when I was sitting in the creek. You know, Brian and I had a, a real interesting story out of my first week there. We were sitting around in the dark at night because, you know, it was 105 degrees during the day, so we didn't feel the need to have a fire. And both of us were sort of just scanning around with the thermal optic units that we use. And so I'm, I'm sitting here scanning around with the thermal, and I look behind this outhouse that we use, and I see this thermal image of a pointy head and shoulders sort of just crouching down behind the outhouse. So I tell Brian about this, and Brian takes the thermal unit from me, and for whatever reason, he looks in the complete opposite direction of me. And when he looks at the mountain slope, which is across from the outhouse that I was talking about, he sees like this crystal clear image of a giant gray wood ape. And so he goes, <laughs> he goes walking towards this thing, and the entire time... Brian and I are arguing back and forth about where this ape is, and we never even realized that we were looking at two different animals. So y'all were y'all were arguing about seeing two different apes, right? And I, I kept yelling at him, "No, look behind the outhouse!" And he couldn't figure out why I was mistaking the outhouse for the shed that was clear across the path from the outhouse. And we had never put two and two together that we were looking at two different things until much, much later. Do you get the sense that uh, when you're down there, do you get the sense that they are just going about their business, or do they seem to have some interest in coming to see what you guys are up to? They definitely have an interest in us, and you know, I, I I can only guess why. You know, we're probably really interesting to them for whatever reason. You know, us being down there, they come in close, especially at night. They like to sneak around. They like to watch. They like to observe quietly, silently. It's kind of creepy, but they they do it, and I'm not sure why. Uh, I guess it just seems like they're at, at the very least curious. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, you know, Clint sort of hinted at it earlier, or not not even just hinted at it, but mentioned it earlier, and it's something that we talk about uh, very often about this sort of weird schism that seems to exist in the in the Bigfoot community. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we talk to just about everybody. We try to just be friends with everybody, and we like to hear everybody's stories, but. It is a little disheartening sometimes to talk to talk to folks and hear people dismissing other people's stories for one reason or another. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, or do, can we all just be a big happy family? You know, that would be really nice, but it seems impossible when it comes to this subject. You know, I I do my best to just try to stay out of it. You know, the the NAWAC has so much amazing things going on that I really don't have any reason to to stray very far from it. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. And. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell Brian that we said hello. Please stress to the members of the NAWAC that I meant no offense. <laughs> and uh, now I feel like I need to prove that Paul Bowman used that term. <laughs> you have to dig up that audio? Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to dig that up now. Because I do not want those guys. There's too many of them close to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of us in Texas, so you got to be careful. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want. I, I love. I love the NAWAC. They're they're surrounding us. There's one behind the outhouse. Please don't be angry at me. But hey, keep us updated. You know, we're we're gonna keep doing this until we get a body. You know, we, there's there's no quit in the NAWAC. We're we're gonna be hard at it again until we get this thing done. Hey man, like I said, we we love to hear stories. That's that's the number one thing that I feel about this show. Clint shares that feeling. We're here to collect stories and and report them. So anybody out there that wants to join us, you tell them to reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk to them. I right, definitely. All right, man. We'll stay in touch for sure. And thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Ready to go to the magical land of Area X and the Valley of the Apes. I want to see it so bad. It's not that far away. No. We could practically throw a rock and hit it. I wish we could I wish they could just blindfold us and give us a visitor's pass and take us out there and So I learned something today um listening to Lauren Coleman on with Seth. Uh-huh. And he's talking about you know the names of locations and why some places have the names that they do and I know this isn't basically that corner of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, and Louisiana, it's all the same area to me. I mean, there's, I know there's borders right there, but that area, uh, he was talking about Fayetteville and that the name Fayette comes from Fay as in fairy. Okay. And that there are other places where that are named like Fayette or Fay something or other. And it's, you know, like another place where, but, you know, Arkansas's motto is the land of enchantment. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because I never would have thought... That weird connection there? Of Fayetteville is having anything to do with... Right. Fairies and... Fairyville. He was talking about um, Joan of Arc being known to have um, spoken to Fay. But there was a tree in France... Where she apparently went and consulted the Fae. Really? Yeah. So anyway, you were uh, you were telling me that you like the astonishing tales of the sea. I do. I mean, that's that's some of the stuff that uh, I when I was little, or little, I was ten, eleven. 
Every time I went to the library with my mom, I would check out some big, you know, the time life books of the mysteries of the universe or whatever the hell else. And uh, the ones that really fascinated me were the the derelict ships, the ghost ships, Mary Celeste. I read everything I could about the Mary Celeste, and I thought for sure there's something crazy going on out there. I mean, this I mean the sea in itself is a frightening place. Yeah, fascinated, fascinated by it. Yeah. There was a uh, there was a post that popped up on on Reddit. I want to say it was yesterday or the day before. It was an old series of pictures, um, but uh, it was the first time I'd seen it. Where these guys were sailing through the South Pacific, and they're in the middle of the ocean, and they come up on a thing that looks like a beach, just out in the middle of of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they sail up to it, and it ends up being a bunch of pumice stone, like, you know, like from a volcano. Mm -hmm. And it's just as far as you can see. And you can sail right through the middle of it. It's just stone floating there. And they're like, what? What in the hell is this? What what is this all about? It looks like it looks just like a sandy beach. And they get to the other side and it turns. And when they look back, it turns out there was a volcano underneath them that was erupting and you could sit there and watch as an island formed where they, where they had just sailed. Like there was this volcano had erupted and was spewing out all this rock and an island formed. And apparently now it's, it is, it is since washed away. Like it was not a, you know, permanent, uh, anything, but whoa, just think about the weird things that happen out there. That's real weird. I mean that's all. That's like Lovecraft type shit going on. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the city that's underneath the ocean and suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my one of my favorite books, and for a while was my number one recommend, was Life of Pi. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if you saw Life of Pi. No, I never did. I never did see it. But um, it's basically it's a kid family owns a zoo, shipwreck. Mm-hmm. There's a lifeboat, and it's him. And a tiger and an orangutan. Yeah. On a boat together. It's really good. But the most fascinating thing about it is, is like the whole survival at sea thing and like how he's fishing. And do you remember that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? Yes. Okay. Do you remember the stranded? Like the shipwreck off of the coast of South Carolina. There's like a hurricane. Uh, Ship gets caught in a storm out there, basically flips over. Some people survive. When they're like clutching to the lifeboat in the middle of this storm, the one guy's like, I felt something like brushing up against my leg. And so there's like three or four of them hanging onto the side of this lifeboat that's turned over, you know? And, you know, the storm is still raging all around him. And the dude's like saying that he's feeling something brushing up against his leg. And he said, I put my face in the water and opened my eyes. And he was like, like as far as he could see, like down at every level of the ocean, there were just sharks just like in a circle up underneath him. Wow. And in that one, like one of the dudes starts to drink seawater goes bananas because you know like accelerates the dehydration and causes like all of the yeah you know dehydration can break you quick 
you know, mentally. And the dude jumps off the boat, like takes a step off the raft. And it was soon enough after the wreck and everything that it was just like shredded. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you think of the. The craziest thing about the ocean to me is that it's not lasted the way that you think. It's not um, level. Yeah, there's. It's crazy. It's like, not weird stuff going on out there. It's not ever level. It's. I mean, swells can be like thirty stories high. You yeah. know, you can be raise up and then drop down, drop down so far that you can't see anything but walls of water all around yeah. you. Like you can't see out of wall of water. You know. Yeah. And then, and then you'll get to places where it's completely, yeah, serene, dead, and calm. Did you see the? Um, God, what that storm system that ripped through here basically just shredded the tornadoes in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. Uh huh. You know, we had that storm that hit here, and it just right. Yeah, I mean, it was just wrecking shit. There were tornadoes all over the place. The uh, pictures of the tornado over Lake Pontchartrain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is just like, you know, there's two and three of them coming up. Like the water spouts almost. Shit. (laughs) Shit. That first time that I went to New Orleans to go to the uh, Anne Rice Ball, where... My haunted activities are detailed in the first episode of OK Talk entitled Spooky Dookie. Um, you know, when you're driving into NOLA and you have to cross Lake Pontchartrain and it's just like those, those bridges forever. Yeah. So we were on that bridge and get stuck. Like there's just traffic, like completely stopped down. And there was an 18 wheeler that had gone off the side of it and was and it was hanging there like so like the cab is hanging off but like the actual truck body is keeping it above you know Lake Pontchartrain which i'm sure has creatures unknown down oh, in sure. it but that the dude had to jump out and they helicoptered him Got and like out. all of this happened like while we were on the wow. bridge in front of us welcome to New Orleans player <laughs> but yeah man i'm always i'm always up for Astonishing Tales, Tales of the Sea. That, that stuff is so, so interesting to me. To think that you could be sailing by and just find a, a empty ship. Yeah. Go explore it and like what you might find in there. That's crazy. One of the really cool things about books, this may blow people's minds, but there is so much shit that is in books that is not online. Yeah. You know, like so much. It's crazy. Um, uh, the kinds of literature stories and tales of the weird. So we'll definitely have some more of those for you. Those are always fun. I like putting the story together and making it sound a little good and spooky, spooky and spooky, spooky. You're not going to get better production, folks. You're not going to get it. Nowhere. Red Dragon Productions in your face, bitches. (laughs) I felt like I had one more thing, but I don't think I do. We'll call it, but um, good. You, 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 why don't you go ahead and give our, give our shout shouts? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Facebook.com/slash OK Talk Show. 
twitter.com slash oktalkshow unified brand follow us give us a rating email email oktalkshow at podbean.com no wait that's not right at all (laughs) not at all oktalkpodcast at gmail.com yes and oktalk.podbean.com if you want to go to the website what are we going to do about the website man I don't know we need to get one set up what Uh, are we going to do about the logo man well, did we have did we have a, a line on something going on there? Or? I do know how we can have had logo. I would like to. I, I mean, I love our lo-fi one that we've got going on right now, but it would be nice to have something. Did you see the picture I drew you on Twitter? That could be uh, that could be printed on T-shirts, perhaps, if we ever wanted to get into that game. T-shirts. We're gonna be selling merch. You people are gonna buy the merch. You will. Let me see. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. That's. I think that should be our logo. That <laughs> I just drew it. <laughs> just drew it. <laughs> right here. The original. So, like I got into this thing where when I'd be screening calls overnights and just listening to Mayhem, yeah. where I just started like just drawing Bigfoots, just <laughs> drawing them over and over and over again. Just obsessively drawing Bigfoot? Yeah, just as fast as I could. It, many different faces and whatever on and so then i would just like save them and i started coming up with this idea that was like somehow i'm gonna use all of these like where it looks like it looks like the notebook of a crazy person (laughs) when you stack you know like 40 and 50 scrap pieces of paper with all these monster faces on it something you'd find in the first act of a movie and be like "What, what the hell is going on here yeah Well, folks, thanks for listening to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That lifeboat story has inspired me to go watch that scene from Jaws, the Indianapolis speech. Greatest scene in movie history as far as I'm concerned. You go in the water. (laughs) Sharks in the water. Farewell and adieu to your fair Spanish ladies. I love Quinn. He's the best. I knew I was going to have a girl, but if I was going to have a boy, Quinn was my my number one. Mainly because of the song, The Mighty Quinn. And also because of Jaws. Yeah. Because I would like to just sit him down and <laughs> watch that. Where'd you get that one? Indianapolis. <laughs> you ever hear a bunch of boys screaming for mama? Turned him around, he bobbed up and down. Had his legs half bitten off. What a great movie. So good. What a great scene. Well, and I'll do the Spanish ladies. We're just droning on here and here and here. All right. Okay, talk show. Do it. Pow. Oh, sleepy native, serenaded, anticipated when the raiders invade. A Saracen for those on hot crusade. They were banging the silver spoons. I was begging to hear some tunes played through the night and day. Angels of mercy sang glow, glow, Jesus light. 
line of David White so hollow Hard amputated By the halogen blade For me it's plastic virgins on parade True loving is hard to find Unless of course you got a name in mind In our case we'll find a way Ankles and elbows sway Glow, glow, Jesus light Shine right through the night Shine like the 